to it. Father God, again, thank you uh, for your great love for us. Thank you for a chance to meet and fellowship with my brothers and sisters, to worship the Lord together. Uh, and God, as we're, as we're transitioning now to study your word together, I pray that you would prepare our hearts beforehand to receive your word. God, would you till up the soil in our hearts that it would be uh, good and fruitful ground for your word, uh, like seed, to implant in and grow, uh, that it bear a harvest of faith, the harvest of righteousness in each of us, God, that you would use the word to shape us, to be the men and women that you want us to be, God, that our lives would be pleasing to you, that you would be honored, that you'd be glorified. Uh, Holy Spirit, God, would you, would you communicate only what you want communicated, speak only what you want spoken, and, uh, and on everything else, let me be quiet, God. Uh, God, have your way. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I've got a question. Do we have Do we have any really big uh, Memphis Grizzlies NBA fans? Uh, with like two of you, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Any big and big John Morant fans? Big? So how how can you tell someone is a big Grizzlies fan? That's kind of an obvious question, but how can you tell someone's a big Grizzlies fan? When they know the coaches have. So they can name the they can name the staff. That's a big step. How else can you tell someone just a wild Grizzlies fan? Having all the they got their face painted. Okay, not just for games, like at work and stuff. They're painted up. Yeah. Those jerseys are expensive. So if you own a few of those, right? How much how much does a jersey set you got? Hundred and fifty. Man. So so if you're wearing Grizzlies gear. Unless, like me, you got it at Walmart or Target. Uh, you, you spent it quite a bit. Okay. So, by the clothes they wear, anything else you know someone was a Grizzlies fan? They're at the games. They're at the games. Front row seats. Always. Yeah, they can do a lot. How can you tell? There's a little lot of obvious signs, right? How can you tell someone is a vegetarian? That's the joke. That's the joke, right? You don't, you don't have to find out. They're gonna tell you. Um, my daughter Hannah's a vegetarian. She stopped eating meat back in April, so it's been almost a year. She's, uh, she's nine and has been eating vegetarian. And, and honestly, like, she's like the healthiest of all of us. Like, when the cold and the flu passed through in December, January, everyone in my family got sick except Hannah. So she's got that vegetarian superpower. She's eating all those ve- vegetables and fruit. But yeah, how do you tell someone's a vegetarian? They don't eat meat, and they probably they probably tell you. Um, yeah, they tell you they get their first name and before the last name. I'm a vegetarian. I'm kidding. If you don't eat meat in here, then that then that's fine. Um, uh, that's okay. Um, it's all good. It's all good. Vegetables are good too. Hey, how? Okay, so one more, one more. How can you tell that someone's a Christian? Oh, how they act. Oh, the fruit that they How they act. The fruit that they bear. How they live. How they speak. How they talk. What'd you say? Where you find them? Where you find them? What else? How can you tell someone's a Christian? Oh, yeah, they maybe have some identifying, they might be wearing a a necklace. Yeah, something like that. Um, So Jesus said there is basically one way to know. One one defining characteristic that you can tell someone's a Christian uh, when Jesus says all men or all people will know that you are my disciples if you blank. Love your enemies? Love one another. Love people. Yeah, yeah. Love, loving your enemies is tied up in love people, love everyone. Uh, Jesus says, all men, all people will know you are my disciples if you love one another. That's it. Jesus says, the, 
defining characteristic of a Christian is that they love people, right? It's not that they carry the biggest Bible with the most notes and the most underlines in it, even though the Bible's important, right? It's not that they know the words to every praise song and every hymn, uh, you know, even though praising God's important, right? Uh, it's not that they're at church every time the building's open, even though it's, man, it's good to go to church and not forsake the assembling of each other, right? It's good to be around the believers, um, but that's not it either. Jesus says there's one defining characteristic. The defining characteristic of a Christian is that they love other people, and they love other people well. They love other people so well that it's obvious to the people around them uh, they love people more than normal, right? There's something, what is up with this guy? What is up with this gal? Uh, they love people like crazy. I wonder if they're a Christian, right? That, that Jesus says that, that should be the thought line. They see someone love like crazy and they say there's something different. They're, they're loving more than normal. I wonder if they're a believer. Fast forward uh, 2,000 some odd years later, 2020, February 2020, uh, when, when people, man, I'm thinking the world, the culture, um, in particular Memphis, United States, when they think of Christians, the very first thing they think of is, oh, Christians, those are people that love like crazy. Maybe some do, but but yeah, a lot of them don't, right? Instead, instead, you ask someone what they think of Christians. Uh, well, you get all kinds of answers, but um, <laughs> hypocritical, judgmental, mean, self-righteous, right? Uh, what'd you say? Uh, there, there's all kinds of things. When we uh, um, years years ago for, for for a message talking about uh, Christians loving loving others well, I just happened to to Google. You know, Google does like the autofill, the drop-down box thing. Chris might remember this, uh, and, and I did I did the, the the first few words of the autofill are why are Christians so? And the very first thing that dropped down is mean. That's tough. I mean that that means that's not. Google, that means a lot of people have searched that. That means a lot of people wonder that. That's why that's in there. Uh, but Jesus says that that's not what it should be. Jesus says the defining characteristic should be how well they love people. And then they see you loving people and then thinking, well, there's something different about you. And maybe they'll ask you about it. Uh, man, why do you love people so much? Why do you love even the people that are mean to you? Even, even your boss, right, that treats you bad. Why do you still show love to them? Even, even our, our roommate that none of the rest of us like, why do you still show them love even though they don't ever wash a dish, right? But you still show them love and are gracious to them. But when they ask those kind of questions, that gives you an opportunity to say, hey, I'll tell you why, right? Because Jesus has made a difference in our life. We're talking tonight about uh, love and loving people well, right? It is important that we love other people well, especially if we're going to identify as Christians. Uh, Jesus says the identifying, identifying characteristic in your life more than anything else, more than you, you know you got the whole Bible memorized, uh, more than you always have your radio station turned to praise music, more than you're, you live in the church, uh, you're, you're there every time it's open, more than any of that, your life should be marked with love and loving other people well. Uh, and that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 15 tonight. We started... A brand new series uh, last week, many of you guys were here last week, a brand new series about what it truly means to live like Jesus, to live like Jesus. And we talk about how people will study uh, video of people they want to become more like, right? They'll pour over hours uh, of video to study an athlete to see, man, how does he do it like he does? And I want to get my layup to look just like John Moran, so I'm going to watch how he does it, right? I want to, my, my son, I want to figure out how that 
that uh, that Rocket League player gets the ball to like, you know, bounce off the ceiling and get into the goal every time. So I'm going to figure out how to do that, right? And we study we study video. We we try to study the lives of the people we want to be more like. Um, and, uh, and figure out exactly how they do what they do. But do we devote that same kind of energy to becoming more like Christ? In the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we have our perfect moral and spiritual example. And if I could be like anyone in the world, be more like anyone in the world, I want to be more like Jesus, right? I've got a lot of people I admire, a lot of people that I look up to, a lot of people that I respect. Uh, but if I could be more like anybody, I want to be more like Jesus, I want to be more like Jesus. When we study Jesus, when we read about how he treated people, how he prayed, uh, the wisdom he exhibited, the compassion that he exhibited, the humility, the kindness, um, and, and that's what I want to be like. I want to be like him. And if we're being honest, though, is he the one we're modeling our lives after? Right? Is he the one we're, we're constantly trying to be more like? Uh, the Apostle John, one of Jesus' disciples and closest friends, uh, writes in one of his letters uh, that if we're going to call ourselves Christians, uh, if we're going to say that we know God, if we're going to say that we're following Christ, uh, then we must live as Jesus did. He says, whoever claims to live in him, whoever claims to be a Christian, to be living in God, must live as Jesus did. It's not enough just to say you're a Christian. Uh, you're, it needs to be demonstrated in how you live your life, your, your actions, how you conduct yourselves. Uh, the world has enough people that say they're Christians, uh, but then you look at their life and I don't see it anywhere. Let me get out the magnifying glass. No, I don't see it anywhere, right? You say you're a Christian. I mean, you, you talk, talk, talk about being a believer. Um, and, and then we have a word for those kind of people, right? They talk the big game, but I look at your life and I see the opposite, Right? See, see that hypocritical, hypocritical life. Uh, John says, you can't do like that. If you're going to claim that you live in him, you need to live as he lived. Uh, so again, last week we started talking a little bit about what that means. How do we model our life after Jesus? How do we let his priorities begin to shape our priorities? The things that he was passionate about shape what we're passionate about. How do we let his behavior uh, begin to be exhibited in our life? The, how, did, how did he speak? How did, how did he treat other people? And each week as we go through this series, uh, we're going to look at a different episode in the life of Jesus that we can learn from. And then here, here for tonight, we're going to talk about and examine what it means to love like Jesus. That's a big one, right? Love like Jesus. Uh, that's huge. Uh, like I said, we're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 15. To set it up, when we, when we find Jesus here with his disciples in John, chapter 15, um, it's uh, immediately following the Last Supper, right? The, 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 the last meal, the last Passover meal that Jesus shared uh, with, his, with his disciples. Um, we read about Jesus uh, having the meal with them. Uh, he washes their feet. Uh, and, and, and they, they go, they go, and, and he, uh, John opens up uh, a series of a couple chapters of teaching, and, and basically this is his last words uh, to his disciples, to his close followers before he is arrested and tried and publicly executed. Right? These are his last words, so they're important. Um, and so it's, it's here in John 15. It is right smack in the middle uh, of this last words kind of teaching discourse here. Um, and his last time with his closest friends before uh, he's arrested and crucified. Uh, so let's take a look at it. The verses I really want us to drill down on tonight. John chapter 15, verse 12 and 13. John chapter 15, verse 12 and 13. Verse 12 says this, This is my commandment. Love each other the same way I have loved you. 
Jesus said, I'm giving you a commandment. This is important. If you do anything, do this. Love one another. How? The way I loved you. Love one another. The way I loved you. The same way I loved you. He'd spent the last several years clearly demonstrating them uh, to them what it looked like to live a life of love. It'd be one thing if he told them how to love, but didn't, didn't tell them how to do it. No, he'd spent the last uh, a little over three years with them demonstrating what it means uh, to live a life of love. Um, if we go back to uh, in the very start of his ministry, the very beginning of his ministry, right? When he very first uh, says, hey, I'm going to start my ministry. He's baptized. He goes in the wilderness. He starts his public ministry. Uh, and, and right from the get-go, he's loving people. He's calling these men to be his disciples, calling them to be his followers. And he's speaking words of, uh, of affirmation, calling these guys out of, out of humble beginnings, humble lifestyles, saying, hey, I want you to come follow me. You know, affirming that they could be more than just tax collectors, just fishermen, right? Just whatever their, their humble position is. I've, I've got a plan for your life. More important, God has a plan for your life. Uh, and he's going to use you to transform the world. Come and follow me, right? That there's love and speaking a word of life, of encouragement, of, uh, of speaking to someone and saying, man, man I, I believe there's potential in you to be something amazing, right? And so he, man, he, from the get-go, he's loving Right? What are some other ways that Jesus showed love to the people around him throughout, throughout his time of ministry? What, what do you guys think of? Ways that Jesus demonstrated love. What comes to mind? He helped people who were sick. Helped the sick, yeah. Fed the hungry. Fed the hungry. What's that? He didn't fight back. He didn't fight back. Yeah, when, when, he had, when he had a chance to, uh, when, he, when he was arrested, um, yeah, he didn't, he didn't fight back. What else? He spent time with the marginalized. Yeah, he spent time with the people nobody wanted to spend time with. Um, the people that were the, the lower tiers of society, uh, the, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the lepers, um, you know, the people that had leprosy, serious uh, skin, skin diseases back then were quarantined from the rest of society. Uh, you couldn't, uh, you know, they couldn't, if you had leprosy, you couldn't go near anyone else. You had to keep yourself separate. If for whatever reason you had to go into a majorly public area, it's humiliating because you had to, to yell really loud, unclean, unclean, so everyone would know not to touch you. That's embarrassing, right? You had to go into Walmart. You're yelling, unclean, unclean. Uh, it, it's absolutely humiliating. These are the people Jesus chose to go to, right, and chose to love. And, and, and not, not only men love them, he, he healed their leprosy, he healed their sickness by putting a hand on them. Say, hey, uh, you know, you're not able to touch anyone, man, you're cut off from human contact, but I'm going to love you enough to put my hands on you uh, and pray for you and, and heal you. Um, yeah, it was, it was his, his love that moved him to compassion, is, is the way the Gospels describe it again and again. Tell us he was moved to compassion uh, to heal their sicknesses. Uh, he's moved with compassion when the people were hungry after he'd been teaching for a real long time. And he, and he said, man, we ought to feed these people. And the disciples said, well, let them go home and get something to eat. He said, no, it's a long walk. Let's go and feed them now. Right? And he's moved with compassion. He's moved with love to feed them. Um, anything else you can think of? Was Jesus demonstrated his love? Even Jesus' teaching ministry, the Bible tells us, was based in love because he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd, and it broke his heart. He loved those people so much, and he said, you've got no shepherd. You've got no one to guide you, no one to teach you, so I'm going to teach you, right? Even his teaching ministry is based in love. I want you to have a better life than you're having. Let me tell you how to live a life that pleases God and honors God. Let me teach you how to know God. Um, 
So again, from the very start of his ministry all the way through his ministry, everything he does, everything he says is rooted in love. Jesus had been demonstrating to them what it means uh, to love other people well. So when he says, I want you to love people the same way I loved you, they'd seen it, right? They've been living it. They've been living it day in and day out with this guy. Um, and all of this culminates in what Jesus is about to do, uh, going to the cross, the ultimate demonstration of his love for us. And, and Jesus foreshadows this when he continues in verse 13. And you guys probably know this first well, or maybe you've heard it before, but didn't know this is where it's found in the Bible. He says, there's no greater love, no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You may have heard it said, there's no, no, no greater love has anyone than this that they'd lay down their life for their friends. He says, that's the ultimate expression of love is that you'd lay your life down. Right? And so, so we know that Jesus goes on to do exactly that. Um, after he's done teaching, they go to a, a garden to, uh, to pray. Jesus is arrested. He's put on trial. And, uh, and he's publicly executed. Now, because he's Jesus, he's the son of God. He's got vast supernatural power. He could have at any point fought back, resisted, man, called down a legion of angels. Uh, uh, it, it says, um, no, he allowed himself. He allowed himself. He laid down his life. For what reason? Right? For what reason? So that his death on the cross would be a sacrifice for us. Right? That there, there on the cross, he could take the punishment that we deserve for everything that we've done wrong. So we could experience grace and forgiveness from the Father. Right? That he, he would take our, our punishment, he'd take our shame, he'd take our guilt, and all, all the guilt, the shame for everything we've ever done wrong, he's going to take that on himself on the cross, lay down his life. Why? Because he loves us. Right? And, and after his death, three days later, he rose from the dead. That's the good news of the gospel, uh, proving that he was who he says he was, proving that he was Messiah, proving that he was Son of God. Um, he ascends to heaven with the promise that one day he's going to come back for us. Uh, and the command he's left us still stands. I want you to love people like that, right? That there's not any kind of greater love that you can love people than you'd be willing to lay down your life for them. You'd be willing to lay down your life for them. Now, you may never be called to literally... Uh, lay down your life for somebody. You know, there may be a short list of people that you could think of that, that you say, well, I'd take a bullet for them, or I'd die for them, or I'd lay down for them. Uh, you know, maybe your family members, maybe your best friend. But I mean, I guess it's probably not a long list. Like, it's not the whole world. Um, and Jesus died for the whole world. Died for the whole world. Um, and, and, and everyone that would come to live uh, after his time on earth, right, including us, um, so you may never be called to, to lay down your life in that way, right? I hope not. Certainly I hope not. I hope you don't find yourself in a situation where, where you're having to literally lay down your life. But, man, that, that call to lay down your life um, is, is still for us. So what that looks like in our lives, right? Uh, it may not look like us literally having to die for someone, literally having to give our life for someone, but, but it looks like in the ways that we sacrifice our own preferences, right? Sacrifice what we want to do. Uh, sacrifice our rights, our privileges for the good of someone else, right? That that's a kind of laying down our life. Hey, I'm going to, this is what I wanted to do with today, but O'Shea needs my help. So I'm going to lay down what I had planned to do to go help him, right? Uh, you know, the, 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 if there's someone that I love, that I care about, I'm going to lay down what I prefer, you know, lay down my life for them. So, man, let's say, you know, Jackie and I are, are going somewhere to eat, uh, and I've got a preference, and she's got a preference. Love, love is going to make me lay down my preference uh, to, do, to do what pleases her, because I love her, right? Um, and maybe she does the same for me sometimes. I don't know. Uh, 
but, but, but that, that's the kind of laying down our life. Is like there, there, there's things. Uh, uh, everything about the culture is inward focused, causes us to be self-absorbed. It's all about me. It's all about, man, I got to look out for number one. If I don't look out for me, no one else is going to look out for me. Uh, in a lot of ways, that's true unless you just forget God exists, right? No, God's looking out for you. You don't, don't got to worry about it. God, God's the one looking out for you. He's the one that's going to make it work together. Uh, but so much of the culture is, man, you got to take care of yourself. It's all about you. It's all about you. And, and it's tough because that definitely permeates how we think about things. Yeah. Well, I've got my own schedule. I've got to do, I've got to be here at seven and be here at nine. I got to do this. But what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? It's all about me, me, I, I. Just to, and we get in the rhythm of that with the culture, and our lives look like everybody else's. Uh, and when it comes time to love somebody, well, it's going to involve sacrifice because I already have my whole day filled up. I already have my whole plans filled up. If I'm going to actively meet the needs of another person, if I'm going to be moved with compassion to, to demonstrate love to them, more than just saying I love them. Hey, you know I love you, right? Love you, bro. But if I'm going to show them love, but I see a need that they have, and I need to figure out how I can meet that need, how I can figure out how I can help them, how I can alleviate pain or discomfort, how I can actively demonstrate love, it's going to cost me something, right? It's going to cost. So, and that, that's all that sacrifice means. Sacrifice is a cost, right? If I'm going to love somebody, it's going to cost me something. Um, you know, if, uh, if, if I owe you $10, and then you decide, because of love, that you just want to, you know, forgive, forgive that debt. Say, no, don't worry about it, Matt. Don't worry about that $10, right? I love you. We're just going to forgive that debt. Don't worry about it. That cost you something. It cost you exactly $10, yeah. you know? And, but love always is going to cost you something. It's always going to cost the death of your preferences and what you want. It's always going to mean that. It's always going to mean you laying down uh, your rights and privileges for the good of someone else. That's the kind of laying down one's life for your friends that you guys are going to experience each and every day as you endeavor to love like Jesus. It's going to involve, okay, I don't really want to do this, but that's the loving thing to do, right? Uh, this isn't going to be comfortable for me. This might not feel good, but it's the loving thing to do. It's what Jesus would do, yeah. right? And, and, and sacrificing, laying down what we want to do. Um, Paul says this in Ephesians uh, 5, verse 2. Live a life filled with what? Love. love. Filled with love. Not where you just love like a little bit here, a little bit there, and then mostly just self-absorbed, right? <laughs> live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Paul says, man, I want you to live a life so full of love, so full of love that your life looks like Jesus' life. Right? How do we live like Jesus? Well, try to pack as much love into every square inch of your life that you can, and you're going to start looking more like Jesus. When you start thinking about the needs of the people around you more than your own needs, God's got your needs covered. You don't need to stress about that. Think about the needs of the people around you and how you can meet them. Maybe you can't meet them, literally, but you can encourage them, you can pray for them, you can do something, and, and, and that's where love comes in. He says when, when Jesus loved us, he offered himself as a sacrifice. It cost him something. It cost him his life, right? There might not be many occasions where it's going to literally cost you your life, but it's always going to cost you something. It can cost you a chunk of your schedule. It might cost you financially. Right? It might cost you not getting to do the thing you really wanted to do. Man, I was going to go see a movie. Man, I was going to play that video game. Well, it may cost you that to love someone and, and, and demonstrate the love of Christ to them. Um, another verse to look at, and this is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Uh, again, this is John again in 1 John 3, 16. John 3, 16 
You guys know well, if God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. This is 1 John 3.16. Um, but again, it's all, it all thematically ties together. He says, this is how we know what love is. This is how we know what love is. There's plenty of people uh, in this world that maybe think they know what love is. Uh, or, or if you were to ask someone, hey, what is love? Define love. If we were to do, uh, man, when we're tabling one week, you know, have, have a question on the board, what, what is love? You would get a lot of different answers, a lot of different ideas about what love is. The culture is going to be putting forth lots of different ideas in movies and music and TV shows about what love is. Um, that really hasn't anything to do with love. It's, it's more lust or it's more uh, this or that, but, but, it, but it, it's not love. John says this is how we know what love is. You want to know what love is? It's this. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. John says that is the ultimate demonstration of love, the ultimate picture of love. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Right? If you really want to know what it means to be a loving person, I don't know that you'd meet anyone that said, I don't want to be a loving person. I want to be a hateful, spiteful, mean person. <laughs> Everyone thinks they want to be a loving person. Uh, but John tells you what that looks like. You want to be a loving person. Well, Jesus was the ultimate loving person, and he laid down his life for you. And we ought to lay down our lives for others. If we want a life filled with love, it's going to involve uh, laying down our lives uh, for, for others, for the people around us. So how do we do that? What are some practical ways uh, to begin loving like Jesus? Uh, and I have three of them. If you're taking notes, three, three practical things I want to look at. Uh, what it means to begin loving like Jesus. The first one is uh, be mindful. Be mindful. Just means uh, being aware. Being aware of what the people around you are going through and dealing with. I'll say, how do I, Matt, I don't know. I'm not a mind reader. No, you got to ask them, right? you got to say, how are you doing and really mean it. Not, not just a what's up and then you keep walking, but, but like a what's going on and listen and, and take the time to really hear. Be mindful means be less detached, less self-absorbed and more open and aware of the struggles of the people around us. Again, everything about the culture promotes a, a, a detachment, particularly emotional detachment. I'm over here and you're over there. Um, I'm not going to show my emotions. If you promise not to show yours, right, we're going to be detached from each other. Uh, and, uh, and, and probably just need to cut off a mic or something. Um, I'm going to act like I've got it all together. If you promise you act like you've got it all together so that we're not bothered by each other's problems. Yeah. I don't have it all together. My life's imploding, but I'm going to pretend I do so I'm not a bother to you. And, and the social contract is you do the same. You act like you don't have a problem either, uh, and we're detached and separated. But we were never called to live detached, segmented lives. And we're called to be in community with each other, love one another. My life, connected to your life, connected to her life, connected to his life uh, through love. All right, so being mindful is breaking free from the detachment, breaking free from being self-absorbed and being open and aware of the struggles of those around us. Right? So it means, it means getting to know people and talking to them and asking them. And asking them man, deep questions about stuff that matters. And asking them man, where they're struggling and how you can help with that and really mean it. 
the example of Jesus, man, Jesus was constantly aware of the needs of those around him. And we talked about several of these already. The Gospels tell us again and again how he was moved with compassion, moved with love to meet those needs. Healing physical sicknesses, healing spiritual afflictions, feeding the hungry, right? Jesus was aware of the problems of people, sometimes before they even said, right? And he meets, the, he meets the woman at the well in John chapter 4. He's aware of all her issues before she doesn't even have to say anything because he's Jesus, right? Um, he was aware. He was tuned in to the needs of the people around him uh, so that then he could respond in love and meet those needs. And if we're going to be like Jesus, love like Jesus, we need to be mindful as, where, as well, aware of the uh, struggles and needs of the people around us. The second one is this, be approachable. Be mindful and be approachable. Be approachable. Do not be inaccessible or elusive or tough to pin down. Um, but be there when people say they need you. Be easy to approach. Be welcoming. Welcome people into your lives. Be willing to have your day interrupted. That's a tough one, right? That schedule, our schedule it's like an idol. We put it up there, man. Don't let anything mess with the schedule. Be willing to have your day interrupted. When we're reading the Gospels, man, how many times uh, was Jesus on his way from one place to another and then something interrupts it? Yeah. And we don't see Jesus be like, I do not have the time. I'm a busy man. I'm trying to save the whole world. I do not have time. No. When someone interrupts his schedule, he stops and he ministers. doesn't matter how important the thing he's going to is. Um, Jesus was approachable. You could walk up and talk to Jesus. You could, right? He, he wasn't so important, right, that, that, that you needed to, uh, you know, be at a distance from him or you needed to, to, to send, a, you know, send, send a messenger or, man, you, you could just walk right up and talk to Jesus. In fact, children would just run up to Jesus and crawl on his lap to the point where people are like, I thought you were a, a big shot, right? I thought you were a real important dude. Why are you letting these children crawl on you? Shouldn't we, shouldn't we send these children away, tell them to go on? Because, Jesus, you're too important for all this. And Jesus rebukes them. He said, no, I love it when the children come to me, right? And some of y'all need to be more like these children in your yeah. faith, yeah? yeah? Anyone could approach Jesus. A little kid could crawl up in Jesus' lap. Anyone could interrupt him, right? He's on his way to something important, and it doesn't make the thing he's doing less important, but he's approachable, willing to be interrupted. If we want to love like Jesus, it's going to mean we've got to be willing to be interrupted sometimes. Again, it goes back to the self-sacrifice of our schedule. Um, we've got to be willing to be interrupted. When he's interrupted, he's always kind. He always listens. And he always helps. Um, and so, so for us, we need to be accessible, right? We can't, can't always be elusive. You know, you guys have friends or contacts that, that are tough to pin down. Say, hey, hey, when are we going to hang out? And it's like, they died, right? Um, oh, yeah, we got to hang out. We got to do that. But you never set a time, never set a day. It's not going to happen. Uh, they'll, they'll set a meeting and they won't show up. Um, we can't be like that, right? We, to, to be approachable, we got to be available to people. We got to be welcoming to people. We got to be there when people need us, be dependable. Um, and that's what it looks like to love like Jesus, be approachable. And the last one is this be self sacrificial. And again, we've been talking about the whole time, be self-sacrificial. That's a mouthful. I was trying to think of a better way to word that, but there's really not one. Be self-sacrificial. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. 
encourages us to do nothing out of selfish ambition. You guys know this verse, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in everything you do, esteem others better than yourselves. That's what the verse says. So when don't let your motivation for anything you do be selfishness, right? If your motivation is selfishness, then, then you're wrong right off the bat. Whatever you're planning to do, doesn't matter how good it seems, if you're motivated by selfishness and a selfish ambition, Paul says, don't, don't be motivated by that. And everything you do instead, uh, you know, consider the needs of others, right? Do, you know, do it out of humility. Consider the needs of others uh, ahead of yourself. Esteem others better than yourself. Um, it's not talking about you have low self-esteem. I'm down in the dumps. I'm a nobody. Everybody's better than me. It's not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking less about yourself and more about the needs of others, right? Not being self-absorbed, but thinking about, uh, man, well, what do other people need? God's got mine. God's going to take care of me. I don't need to spend a lot of time thinking about me, right? That, that's, that's vain. That's conceited. Uh, I need to spend more time thinking about God, thinking about Jesus, and then thinking about the needs of other people. Um, do nothing out of selfish motives, but put the needs of others ahead of your own. And in our own lives, this is going to look like self-sacrifice, laying down our preferences, sacrificing what we may want for the good of someone else. Um, loving people is always going to involve this. It always is. The culture paints a picture of love in movies uh, where it just seems so easy, just like you know, destiny intended for y'all to be together and all the forces in the universe will press y'all together uh, and, and, and love, it's just going to be like falling, falling backwards so easy. That's not an accurate picture. Love is always going to involve self-sacrifice. Death. Love's always going to involve death. Your death. The death of your preferences, your rights for the good of the other person. If you're really going to love them well, something in you is going to die. Right? It's going to cost you something every time. Every time. If you're going to love like Jesus, it's always going to cost you. But it's rewarding. It's worth the cost, right? It's worth the cost to love someone like Jesus loved them. Uh, it's going to feel good, but more importantly, man, man, in a, a spiritual sense, an internal sense, you can demonstrate the love of God to someone else and awaken their heart to what God wants to do in their life, give you opportunities to share the gospel with them. They can put their hope in Jesus. They can go to heaven forever, right? It's worth the cost. I mean, whatever I have to give up in my schedule, Whatever gets interrupted in my day, and if it means someone can make a decision to follow Jesus and have a relationship with God, it's worth any cost, right? I clear out my bank account. There's not much in there anyway, but clear out my <laughs> bank account if, if it means someone can know Christ, right? It's worth any cost. I'll pay any cost. Self-sacrificial lives. Sacrificing what I may want for the good of some, some, someone else, it always costs us something. It costs Jesus something. It costs Jesus his life. When it comes to loving people, Jesus set an incredibly high bar, right? We look at the life of Jesus and said, yeah, Jesus, that is a life filled with love. I have no idea how I can do that, right? That's an incredibly high bar. He teaches us to love not just our friends and family members, but to love our enemies, to love our enemies and pray for people that treat us badly. That's tough. That's a hard word, Jesus. Love my enemies. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they did to me. In a couple weeks, we're going to be talking about forgiveness. How do we forgive like Jesus, right? Jesus says to love your enemies. Jesus, that's tough. Tough to love my enemies. Jesus says to turn the other cheek. Someone treats you bad, you don't get them back. I, talk, I may talk a big game about people catching these knuckles, right? Um, but Jesus says, no, don't get revenge. Don't pay them back. Don't make them regret it. Turn the other cheek. That's tough, Jesus. It's tough to love people like that. 
Jesus says, go the extra mile. Someone has you carry something, a one mile, man, go ahead and do it two miles. Jesus, that's extra. Just, just be an extra to be extra, right? That's your friend. Your friend needs help moving, and, and I'm not just going to help you move out. I'll help you move into the new place. I don't know. But go on the extra mile and say, Jesus, that's so extra. I can't. That's so much. That's so much. In fact, it's impossible. And to our human minds, it certainly does sound impossible, and it is, unless we have his help. It's impossible unless we're in a relationship with him, right? This is not stuff you can do on just your own human strength. Absolutely impossible. You'll get tired of it about 10 minutes in and quit and say, I'm not doing this Christian thing anymore. Um, We cannot do it on our own strength. We have to have a relationship with him, experiencing his love for us daily, daily, so that we've got love to give to other people. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we can't do it on our own strength. We need to be full of the Holy Spirit, allowing Holy Spirit to operate through us. Um, those of you guys that in Sunday school learn the fruit of the Spirit, what's the first one? Love. Got it. Got it. It's a fruit of the Spirit. What does that mean? It means you can't manufacture it on your own. You can't just love, right? You can't, you can't go to the YMCA and work out until you're full of love. You can't, you can't study. You can study every doctorate program at the university. You're not going to get love. Love is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. Yeah. You need the Holy Spirit at work within you. And then as the Holy Spirit is full in your life, like a tree, you're going to start budding some love. You're going to start growing some love. You're going to start growing some peace and patience and kindness and goodness, right? Love's going to grow in your life to the degree that the Holy Spirit is full in your life and that you're connected to him. We can't do it on our own. It's impossible. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Um, We need to be experiencing God's love daily. We can't give away something we don't have, right? I can't give you something I don't have. Um, If you guys, any guys have been in Kyle for for a while, you guys have heard the analogy uh, of going to the fountain, right? The, The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah paints a picture of a fountain of living water. That's God, the fountain of living water. God's telling you, come. Uh, and drink from the fountain, drink until you're full, satisfied, uh, and I want to satisfy every need you have. That's God. God says, but human nature, you guys don't do that. You don't come to the fountain. You don't let me satisfy it. Instead, you go around trying to dig your own wells to, to, to find satisfaction in other things that can never, ever satisfy. When you dig your well, it's just an empty hole. It's a pit you fall into because uh, it can never satisfy. Only God can satisfy. God says, come to me and drink deeply. And, and that, that's true of love. You've got to spend that time in God's presence, experience his love before you can show love to someone else. Uh, I mean, it means getting in God's presence every day. Say, God, would you fill me up with love so I've got love to give to other people? Would you fill me up with your Holy Spirit uh, so that the fruit of love can be full in my life?